the brand has saved 400 tonnes of coffee, but how, how do you visualise that? It's amazing, but for our customers, to know that with each product that they buy, what they themselves are saving, I think is more tangible, it's more empowering. Hello and welcome to the Age of Plastic podcast, an environmental podcast with me, Andrea Fox, using the gateway issue of plastic to discuss all environmental issues that we can affect when it comes to climate change. Spoiler warning, it's all of them. Now, last week we chatted about the fully circular option for kids' clothes, Dotter. If that interests you and you haven't caught up yet, don't forget to go back and listen. Today, more on beauty. Yes, I love it. But why beauty again, Andrea? Well, you may think that shampoo bottle sits in your bathroom for months before you finish it, but technically the bottle is a single-use item. Now, you seem to have forgiven me for having Garnier UK on the very first episode of this series. Honestly, I thought I would get some hate. But as I mentioned on that episode, even though they make 1.8 billion items of plastic in a year, they are trying to do things differently in the future. And when big companies make big changes, it has a big impact. But this episode, we're shining the light on someone at the other end of the beauty spectrum. Anna Brightman is the co-founder of UpCircle a natural, sustainable, refillable skincare brand that's vegan, certified cruelty-free, and comes in plastic-free packaging. And their body creams, one of their serums, and their face balm have all won awards. You may have even seen Anna and her brother on BBC's Dragon's Den a few years ago, or maybe seen the UpCircle brand recommended in beauty articles. They basically use waste product and turn it into beauty products. Circular skincare, byproduct beauty, whichever those phrases you prefer. We're going to find out more about it today from Anna Brightman and the new waste product you can see in UpCircle, plus what she thinks the future of beauty is. Here's Anna Brightman, co-founder of UpCircle on the Age of Plastic podcast. How did a cup of coffee lead to you and your brother setting up a beauty company? Oh, great question. So I feel like first of all was like the mindset of my brother and I in our previous roles that had us just waiting for that moment of inspiration to strike. Uh, You know, a lot of great businesses are founded on a a problem and then your business or your product becomes the solution for that. We were both in fairly successful for our early 20s, um, but in careers in big corporate companies, my brother was in finance working in the city. I worked for a major UK supermarket uh, in kind of management and operating multiple sites. But we, whilst, you know, on the one hand, you're like, okay, this would be silly to to risk it all and walk away. We would come home at the end of the day feeling ultimately unfulfilled. So we were on the hunt in our day-to-day lives for that that moment, that aha or penny drop moment to strike. And it was actually my brother, William, who's the co-founder of UpCircle, who uh, just was walking into his normal coffee shop in the morning where he would go every single morning on his way to work and just happened to ask the barista, Um, what happens to the little kind of puck of coffee that they tap out after making every single cup. And when the guy told him that actually, just as an independent, this was not the likes of Starbucks or Costa or something of that scale, just an independent coffee shop, they produce so much coffee grounds each day that they have to pay the local council to have it disposed of at landfill. So all of a sudden, there was something that William and most people, uh, I definitely did not know about this, Uh, There's this, you know, negative environmental impact to a seemingly innocent organic ingredient. Um, And the more we started researching it, the more it seemed like a no brainer um, that we should try to do something or create a product that would alleviate this issue. And then that's where I kind of came in as the other half of this. Um, Throughout my teenage years, I was super, super keen to be a makeup artist in my future. You're a bit of a beauty fan, aren't you, like me, yeah? Absolutely, yeah. That was my dream job. Um, I'd sit for hours watching YouTube tutorials 
Um, and of course, what goes hand in hand with makeup is skincare. So I knew that coffee had fantastic skincare benefits. And that was sort of how we matched the two things up. Uh, you know, why don't we start collecting coffee from cafes and restaurants and bars where these uh, cafes, you know, they're desperate to get rid of it. Um, they were already paying someone to send it to landfill, right? Precisely. So it's it's what you call a win-win. Uh, and that's that's where it all began. We, we asked this guy a couple of months later, we popped in when we had, you know, done a bit more research and said, how would you feel if we actually started taking this off you every day? And he said, yeah, great, fantastic. They have to pay for these specific coffee ground bags, which is where the kind of payment side of it comes in. Um, and that's where it all began. And it's not just coffee granules. There's lots of other waste products in UpCircle Beauty. And that's kind of the idea. It's taking something from waste and putting it into a beauty product. So do you think it was hard uh, initially when you started the brand to convince people to, you know, rub waste food product and use face <laughs> waste food products in their beauty products? Absolutely. Um, it's It's one of those things where we considered it at great length <laughs> and we still uh, position it very carefully every single day. Uh, when we first started out, of course, you know, neither my brother or I had industry background specifically. And so you do take on a lot of advice and you uh, speak to people in the industry and try to seek mentorship, etc. And almost all of them said, look, this is a really cool idea. And sure, you should go for it. But you're talking about issues of waste in the beauty industry, which is uh, arguably quite shallow and fickle. There is no way that this is going to work. And they advised us strongly against it. To the extent that we, you know, we did listen to that advice at the start because, you know, who were we not to, but then decided to do a full rebrand two years into our journey in order to undo all of those decisions. Because actually, I would rather have a super passionate audience of people who absolutely love what we're doing and get it and appreciate that, yes, we're working with byproducts, but that doesn't make them old or unclean uh, or, you know, dirty in any way. Uh, we just have to kind of be careful for our messaging to communicate that these ingredients actually often get even better through the process of their original life and are in every way superior to the fresh or brand new equivalent. Um, so, you know, we're, we're cautious in our messaging. We, we avoid the word waste. Uh, we use things like, you know, upcycled or byproduct or salvaged or rescued. Um, and we, we're careful to communicate the benefits of the ingredients that we're working with because we, you know, we go to so much effort. <laughs> Daily coffee collections, for example, yeah. for that one ingredient alone. Uh, why would we do that if it didn't have fantastic skincare benefits? So the proof is in the pudding. Once people try the products and they can see the effects on their skin and we fill our Instagram feeds with before and after pictures that our customers send in and things like that. Um, but when you can communicate things like, you know, coffee is a great example. As you brew it, the level of antioxidants actually increases. So arguably used coffee is even better than fresh coffee. So um, yeah, I'd, I'd rather have a, 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 an audience who gets it, who are super passionate than a watered down mission statement, which is kind of hiding your true ethos. And then loads of people who feel a bit indifferent or blasé about your brand, but you're not offending anyone. Yeah. And I have to say, I've used the scrubs and they smell delicious and they smell a bit like coffee, the scrubs, but the serum doesn't smell like coffee, the coffee. Mm. So it's, if, if you haven't seen an UpCircle product, go and go and give them a sniff would be my recommendation. <laughs> um, but we talked to Garnier UK. Now they make like 1.6 billion plastic items a year, but they are trying to change them some. Um, they are trying to change the products and the way that they are delivered to customers. Um, they are trying to be more environmentally friendly. I think that's going to have a big impact. But I suppose you as entering this huge industry, the beauty industry, which is quite saturated, 
Um, you've talked about sort of changing the brand after a few years. Who were you originally aiming this brand at? Oh, um, uh, yeah, another great question. I think because of what we're doing so specifically in the eco space and our very unique, unique USP of using byproduct ingredients in every single formulation, we slightly wrongly, I think, uh, on reflection, pigeonholed ourselves more than we should have done. So we thought, okay, we're appealing here to um, an already eco-minded audience. All of our formulations are vegan and cruelty-free. So, you know, people who already have those sorts of values in mind were who we were directing our messaging towards. However, I do think that if you can tick three boxes at the same time, then you broaden out your potential pool of customers massively. So first is do the products work, which is what I've spoken about. You know, you, you buy a moisturizer because you want it to moisturize your skin. That's the fundamental basics. Then you've got things like price point. So are you going to price your audience out through the fact that you're sustainable, uh, which a lot of sustainable brands do? Um, yes, okay, organic, natural, ingre- uh, natural ingredients cost more, as does uh, sustainable packaging. But <clears throat> does that mean that every single serum should be costing 80, 90 pounds plus? Absolutely not. And I like to think that UpCircle is a demonstration of the fact that um, you know, sustainability shouldn't be an elite privilege. It was one of my main vows when I started the brand when I was 22, not to have unaffordable products. Our most expensive skincare product at the moment is 19.99, and and that's something that we're really, really passionate about. That's so affordable, isn't it? Really. Right, yeah. and it's difficult. It's definitely not out. Of pe- it's definitely not out. Of, I should check myself for that. It's definitely not out of people's reach. Looking at you, Tata Harper. Um, mm. You know, there are some <laughs> clean beauty brands brands out there that I'm like, I'm sorry, how much? Yeah, and you look at the ingredients, and I'm like, okay, well, they're exactly the same as ours. So I'm not quite sure how you're justifying that, but each to their own. You know, we also get customers saying, oh, you know, I assumed that your products wouldn't be as good um, quality as you know this. X product that I've got in my bathroom cabinets because I'm used to spending this. So yours must be worse because they're cheaper. So that's also a bit of a catch 22, which is frustrating. Um, but hey ho, I'd rather uh, keep our pool of our, you know, our audience broader through the fact that we're trying to make them accessible to everyone. Um, and then the third category is another one which I find a lot of eco brands do, which is that you look at their packaging and it, it just looks so eco. <laughs> it's yeah. not, it's not aspirational, it's all green. It's all kind of made in your kitchen kind of style, which, you know, again, appeals to an eco audience. But if you can create really beautiful, modern, attractive branding, the sorts of products that people would be proud to show off in their bathrooms. You know, we've just released a a hand wash and lotion set. And those are the sorts of things where before I was doing this, I always used to care a lot about you know, the design of the bottles that I might put next to my sink when you've got your friends over or whatever. Um, when you're getting a gift for someone, you know, that yes, kind of thing. Yes, exactly, exactly. So I think that's the other side of things that really uh, increases your audience by having branding that is the sorts of things that influencers would want to show on their feed in a flat lay. You know, you've got to appeal to, to that whole market as well. So through ticking those three boxes, which we've worked really hard to do, I think that we've broadened out our audience massively. So yes, we're still largely female, as you would expect, um, with the most popular age bracket being between 25 and 35 years old. Uh, however, um, all sorts of people from all over the world use our products, and I'm really proud of that fact. Yeah, completely. And I do get what you mean in terms of branding. I, when I started this podcast, I was like, the only thing I wanted about the artwork was it to not be green. 
<laughs> because right. I was just like, no. And I've tried making my own scrubs at home and uh-huh. don't do it with molten salt because you'll end up scratching your legs. Uh, oh, gosh. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Big flakes, big flakes. So a bit of me, um, I'm, I'm, I'm not... Uh, I'm not a make make your products at home type person. And I think right. some clean beauty does that selling through fear thing. Like, don't use those products because they contain that. And I don't necessarily see Upcircle doing that. So I wondered, was that a deliberate kind of decision for you guys? Yes, definitely. I think um, the use of fear, again, in the world of sustainability is something that I uh, try to avoid um, our brand name is Upcircle, which obviously alludes to the fact that we upcycle our ingredients and that we're all about the circular economy. But the other element of it, including, you know, the upward tilt of the logo. I mean, we, we go to so much detail with these things. You can tell I did history of art in my past, right? I was like, this logo is going to have so many hidden meanings. Love it. <laughs> um, but the upward tilt is also about the fact that we try to have a positive and uplifting message in everything that we do. So I'm not about trying to terrify people about the horrors of other brands or other ingredients. I'm not about bombarding people with doom and gloom headlines about the fact that the ocean's going to be full of more plastic than fish. You know, we hear about that all the time. Just have to watch the news every day to get your daily delivery of awfulness. I don't want my brand to be another stream of depressing, terrifying uh, facts and figures that, you know, they don't actually motivate, do they? They just think, they make me anyway think, well, who am I? How am I going to make a difference to that? So instead, we try to keep things tangible uh, and and uplifting and, and more of a vibe that we can all help uh, in our own little way, um, by just making small changes gradually, step by step. You know, we don't all have to go vegan overnight because most of the population is not going to do that. But how can we start to uh, prove that, for example, vegan skincare might be better than the one that you've got in your cupboard that's, you know, full of squashed beetles and the rest of it? So that's that's kind of what we're going for, and we, and we try to keep it in a in a small scale by saying things like each face scrub salvages the equivalent of four espresso shots rather than some of the bigger ticket things like the brand yes the brand has saved 400 tons of coffee but how how do you visualize that that's it's amazing it's cool it's what I might use in in an award application but for our customers to know that with each product that they buy uh, what they themselves are saving I think is um, it's more tangible it's it's more kind of empowering and it, it makes you feel proud of the kind of steps that you're making I suppose also to to support a brand that are doing things beyond the products that they're making yeah and I do agree with that like I definitely get the eco doom and gloom um and so I sort of started this podcast as like well we must be able to do something I think we do all have our own part to play and you know at brands sort of telling people about these sort of you know you can use these upcycled products it's just one sort of way that we have that drip feed of everyone sort of now being aware of environmental issues so I do think it's it's really important um but yeah it can get quite doom and gloom sometimes can't really it? Can. <laughs> um I wanted to come back to well come back to waste we're sticking with byproduct I should say <laughs> um upcycled uh, but we had Laura Jean on um from the sustainable fashion brand Laura Jean and she talked about that that lovely quote that waste is a design flaw. Do you think the beauty industry is catching up with this idea? You said they were quite fickle and shallow at the start. Yeah, definitely. I think you actually only have to look at the sort of mainstream TV adverts and the change of messaging in those to see 
what is now kind of becoming the norm in the beauty industry, which is fantastic. Often I think that the food industry leads the way. So, you know, the rise of veganism is a perfect example with that. Um, it happened massively in food and then it came to beauty. Uh, and it's the same now with, you know, packaging, I think is one of the major issues in, in the beauty industry with regards to, um, you know, minimizing waste and, and, and trying to be sustainable. And um, you can see more innovative approaches to uh, trying to, you know, minimize the amount of packaging that goes into landfills um, more and more in mainstream media. So I do think that, um, you know, the future is looking more positive in that regard. Uh, I also see more and more brands every single day either <laughs> posing as customers on our online web, web chat to figure out how we process our ingredients in the way that we do so that they can do the same. Busted. Or, <laughs> or actually figuring it out themselves and starting to incorporate byproducts into their formulations, which, again, I welcome. Mm. Um, I, you know, I, this is not something that we, you know, I, I want that to happen. I want more brands to, to, uh, to jump on board with this whole uh, circular skincare or byproduct beauty revolution that we're we're pleased to be at the forefront of. Um, I, I yeah, I, I get businesses in completely different industries contacting us every single day, landing in my inbox saying, "Hey, I uh, own a barley farm, or you know, I'm a whatever it might be. I've got this byproduct. What do you think you can do with it?" Um, and that's fantastic. It's really great that we've made a name for ourselves and these fantastic, amazing ingredients land on our doorstep every single day. It's then just that process of, okay, what what's the benefit of this? How can I match that up? How can I change it from its first life into a skincare product? Um, but the fact that everyone is hopeful for finding new ways to uh, make use of their byproducts in whatever industry that is, is, is absolutely fantastic. So yeah, I think I think uh, there's lots more of this to come in the future. That's so interesting. And, and, and some French brands have used animal byproducts for ages. But like you say, as people become more like, well, actually, I'd like vegan products, actually using byproducts in everything. It, it, it's amazing. It's got to be the future of beauty, really, hasn't it? And you talk about barley there. I was going to ask, what's the next bizarre upcycled <laughs> ingredient we're going to get, if you're allowed to tell us? Absolutely. So on Monday, I launch uh, our flower petal project behind the scenes, which I'm really excited about. So um, one of our locations in London is like a railway arch where we just house a lot of our kind of stock and fuel it off to our different fulfillment partners. All of the other archways along our row are occupied by florists. And again, mm. through that uh, kind of eyes up, staying curious approach that we always try to take, I just noticed that every Tuesday, they throw away all of the flowers from the previous week that they haven't sold. And to the average person, these flowers look absolutely stunning and beautiful. And me and my mum used to go and bin raid. And <laughs> our, our, my home is always full of these. I used to do that things. when I lived near a florist. Yeah, <laughs> such a good tip. It's, oh, so good. And I just thought, what, okay, what, why am I doing this? We've got these giant blue I think they're 200 litre barrels that we use for collecting coffee grounds. So I started, I, I went down the row and I said to everyone, hey, look, rather than putting these in your bins, um, can you put them into our blue barrels every Tuesday and we'll start to, you know, see if we can process these petals. So then I bought some industrial dehydrators. Of course. Um, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the amount of machinery in that poor railway arch is just going up and up because I have these wacky ideas. Um, but we'll be releasing a, a range of bath products that are infused with these beautiful dehydrated rose petals later on this year. So that all kicks off in full production on Monday, which I'm really excited for. Um, then we're also going to be releasing a hand cream, which has a tomato seed extract in it, which is a byproduct. 
and an SPF uh, later on this year, which was a big, wow. big hole in our current offering, which we've been working on so hard for literally years. Um, so that's in that's in stability testing at the moment. So fingers crossed, it has it's gone wrong several times, as you can tell through the long, long delay. Um, but hopefully those are, are, are all launching very soon. That's amazing. And obviously SPF, you've got to get that right, haven't you? You've got to get exactly. that right. It's 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 arguably the most important product in a skincare brand's offering, um, and it's our, has been our most requested, as you can imagine, for for years. Um, but it's also for a brand who works so hard for things like, you know, diversity and inclusivity to create a mineral SPF. I was going to say probably mineral over chemical, I'm guessing. And then you have the issues of exactly. white cast on uh, set exactly. skin tones. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So we've, we've uh, been trying loads of different formulations and sending them out to loads of our what we call upcircle insiders. So some of our highest spending customers with, uh, you know, uh, a vast array of skin tones. And we tried tinted versions. We've tried all sorts of different things. Um, and this last one has been universally, you know, five out of five. So I think we're there. Uh, it's just got to get through the legal testing now. And course, we'll be good yeah. to go. So stay tuned. Stay <laughs> tuned. Excited. I love that. And lovely to know that your office smells absolutely delicious of rose petals as well. It does. <laughs> A short interlude in the podcast now to remind you that we can't all do this alone. If we want to divest from fossil fuels like plastic, we need everyone and all companies on board. So if you want to find out what the companies you use are up to when it comes to sustainability, but you don't know where to start, there's a handy form that you can download and use to email to any company. You'll find it on my website, iamandreafox.co.uk. Back to today's episode. And another big change for the Upcircle brand, which happened recently as a lover of discussing how we can get rid of plastic packaging, is the new refill idea that yes, you've had recently. yes. Yeah, this is something that we have wanted to do from day one. Uh, but as you can imagine, having a full scale packaging return scheme is uh, complicated <laughs> behind the scenes logistically and with regards to the manpower and, as mentioned, the machinery uh, that you need in order to make it happen. So uh, on Earth Day last year, we were finally able to launch a full packaging return scheme. So um, obviously we're a circular skincare brand. It's all about the circular economy, our um ingredients are circular but we wanted our packaging to be circular as well so we now offer packaging returns uh on our entire range except for of course the soap bars which disappear disappear (laughs) as you use them so you can't return or refill those um but everything else basically once you run out of your products at home and you've got your empty jars you just give them a quick rinse to get rid of any product residue uh you order them as a refill on our site so we've got a little refill section where all the products are subject to a 20 percent discount And then you uh, purchase whichever ones are empty. You then get automatically emailed a free post label. So we pay for the return shipping. Um, Pop all of your products in a box. Any box will do as long as they're protected because our uh, jars are glass. And then when they arrive to us, uh, we sterilize them through dry heat and then we refill them and return them back to you. So your exact packaging as well. We did a lot of research into other brands and um, schemes that they were advertising uh and yes yeah but one of the things that we saw was the most negative feedback for the majority was that you know one person might take perfect care of their jars and they'll look pristine after six months and another person you know might have taken them on 15 holidays and you know on a girl's weekend and whatever else and you know you might have a dinted lid or scratches or whatever so it can be frustrating for those people when they return packaging in perfect condition and get someone else's back which looks a little bit more disheveled so 
we return the exact same jars uh, to the exact same customer in the packaging that they've given it to us. So um, that was one of the little, you know, nicks um, that we saw in other um, schemes that we wanted to kind of alleviate with ours. So it's been super, super successful. Um, it's growing so fast. It's one of those things that we're always like, oh my goodness, how on earth are we going to uh, continue to scale this? But you know what? We'll make it work. Um, it's I'm, I'm pleased, to be honest, that all of our customers are loving it. And I'm glad we finally made it happen. That's so interesting. And I've been thinking about the beauty industry. And as you've said, packaging is a big, massive waste issue in the beauty industry. And I was thinking about electric cars the other day, not going to be able to buy anything other than an electric car come 2030. Imagine if we had the same for virgin plastic. Do you think you'd see the big beauty names adopting these kind of ideas like UpCircle a lot quicker? Yes, definitely. Um, I think, you know, it's it's led by consumers, most certainly. Um, so we do have power, brands- like I always say on this podcast, yeah. you can make change. Absolutely. Um, I, 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 I think that's definitely going to be the way forward i mean it's it's a tricky one because i i often say you know i have to justify the decisions that we've made with regards to the materials that we choose to use all the time and there really is no right answer yeah. there are pros and cons to every single material so sure we've chosen glass and we choose aluminium for example because it can be recycled over and over um but glass is heavier than plastic so you know there are the, you know there are there are these pros and cons but ultimately i think so long as you're finding you're keeping your eyes open that's the other frustration for me as a brand founder is that I make skincare products uh, I don't produce packaging Mm. so you are tied to the latest innovations uh, and the products that are out there on the market and it's so hard when you see an incredible uh, product that you want to use or a new material that you want to use Um, but the price point is just insane until for example big brands come along and say look if I can order X amount from you and it becomes more of the mainstream option as opposed to plastic, then that's going to make the affordability for everyone else more realistic um, as plastic becomes less popular. And these new inventions, which there's some amazing things happening and some incredible research out there. Um, but we we need the demand for those to increase massively so that the price points can come down so that we can all actually use them in a realistic way. So, yeah, I'm hopeful for the future. I think big change is coming. It has to, doesn't mm. it, really? Um, you know, we don't have much alternative option at this point. It can't continue as it is. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. Yeah, we've talked about some amazing um, innovations in plastic alternatives on this podcast. And like you were saying about, you know, having to justify there not being a right answer. We've talked to the founder of Bolt Beauty. Same thing. She decided for the, again, a jar that is refilled. She decided to go with plastic because they want to be carbon neutral. And obviously it's lighter. So it's just a toss up for there's no correct answer to any of these uh, environmental issues and environmental questions when it comes to being a human, being a brand owner. So it's kind of navigating it all and trying to do what you think is is best for the planet and for yourself really isn't it yeah I think as a brand what you just have to commit to is always evolving um, you know it's the same with ingredients particularly if you're sourcing organic ingredients you might have something in a formulation that uh, at one point is perfectly ethical but then for example if it becomes a trend uh, it might put massive strain on the supply for that ingredient and therefore on the people that are growing it um, and then it might actually compromise your ethics after you've released that product in a way that it didn't originally and at that point as a brand it's your responsibility to say okay look i, I, I can't do this anymore uh we did that we did that with vanilla um right. had to start pulling that from formulations 
Uh, and it's the same with packaging. As a brand, your responsibility, you know, we don't produce packaging, but it's our responsibility to keep our eye on what's happening and make sure that we're up to date on the latest innovations and choosing the best options out there and being willing to look back at products that we've already maybe released and upgrading them based on, you know, what's now out there in the world, even though that product might be five plus years old. Uh, I think that's the brand responsibility. So um, yeah, we're definitely committed to that. Yeah, definitely. And I suppose you've touched on quite a few challenges so far, but if you had to pick one, which was kind of the biggest challenge, maybe environmentally or packaging um, to do with UpCircle, what would it be? I'll give an UpCircle specific one, which is one that people don't necessarily realise until they hear me talk about it which is a frustrating one um, because we're almost penalised for our commitment to the circular economy. And that's the issue of certification. So certifications are wonderful as a stamp of approval for consumers to shop and look for a logo and know that just by that logo being there, a lot of their concerns or questions are already answered because they've got that stamp that has already been ironed out or audited by that uh, accreditor. So these audits from these accreditors, they do cost money for brands, don't they? So it's kind yes, of, there's an entry level. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another struggle for young brands. You know, we've mm. said, we have people saying, oh, you know, why aren't you uh, vegan certified? Why aren't you, you know, Leaping Bunny certified? Why aren't you this, 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 this um, in like your first year? And then when you explain, okay, well, each of those is a cost often per product plus an annual fee, uh, etc. And it's, it's, it, there's no way as a young brand you can have all of them. So in our first year, we chose Soil Association um, in partnership with Cosmos because they are more broadly recognised as an umbrella for lots of other things underneath it. It's like choosing B Corp. Mm. Um, you can choose B Corp and then you know actually that that is quite a good umbrella certification for lots of eco issues or uh, ethical concerns. Um, but for us, because we're working with byproducts, which might have been sourced from hundreds of different places, uh, the traceability of that is almost impossible for um, certifications, which means that in lots for lots of our individual products, we are not actually eligible to be certified, despite the fact that our products are actually uh, incredibly in environmentally friendly. Couldn't, couldn't, <laughs> couldn't be better <laughs> with regards to the, you know, the ethical sourcing and being fair trade, etc. But um, we, we can't we can't stick certifications on them, which is really frustrating because so many people do just go onto a, a shop shelf and they're looking for that stamp and if you wow. don't have it they assume that you're not and organic is a perfect example um and the coffee in our coffee scrubs uh is well over 50 percent of the formulation and yet because it comes from hundreds of different cafes and restaurants they would all also have to get that same fee which they're never going to do for a product that they're not selling themselves um so that's that's a specific hurdle for us which is challenging however we work with the certification bodies in a broader sense so as a brand, we're still certified. We still won one of the uh, Soil Association Awards last year for best innovation, even though we can't put their, their, their logo <laughs> their logo on our products. So, you know, they, they appreciate the issue and they're working towards other ways that they could have, you know, more of a circular economy com- uh, commitment. Um, yeah, like a... Uh, circ- yeah, I like was going to say the Soil... And probably the Soil Association is a good one to do that sort of like, mm. okay, we can't say this is organic, but this is using by byproduct yeah. approved or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, okay. it's, it's definitely something that, that change, uh, something different in the future would be really helpful for a brand like ours because it is, it is frustrating. Um, but hey-ho, you just have to continue through your messaging to say, we are these things that's just... 
we've got a complicated supply chain. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> it's been so lovely to hear about all the upcircle journey and what's coming in the future. I cannot wait to smell the rose petal products and get some SPF on my face. But we always ask our guests two questions, Anna. And uh, the first is about plastic, because we're called the age of plastic. So useful material, we're using it the wrong way. So is there something in your life that you're thankful for that contains plastic? Oh, what a great question. Um, I suppose that would depend on when you ask me. So if you ask me on a Sunday afternoon, (laughs) I'd say like a TV remote. (laughs) (laughs) If you ask me on a weekday morning, I'd be talking about things like Tupperware, which is just, you know, one of those plastic items that I think, I mean, I do have a lot of glass ones, but the lids are always... You're not going to take the glass ones to work though, are you? Yeah, exactly. Or the gym, you know, when you've got a handbag full of stuff, Mm. um, sometimes those plastic ones are unbeatable really um and then also i'm a massive jewelry fan that's like my thing Mm. beyond the skincare of course (laughs) um and i do think it it is it is an amazing material where you know some really cool stuff can be done and one of my favorite jewelry designers i've got loads of her stuff she uses these plastic resins and pulls inks and dyes through them and they're massive and chunky and very bold and i I really love those as well so you know plastic is god it's one of those things that it's become as popular as it is because it is so incredibly versatile and it um, can have benefits in its life. So those are three very different answers for you there, but um, they're, they're three plastic objects that I do enjoy. I love that. I love that. I think but, it's Wolf and Moon as well who makes some lovely jewellery that sounds quite similar mm-hmm. to that. Yeah. Um, Anna, finally, your environmental hero then, please. Who do you look up to in this space? Ooh, oh, gosh. I feel like, you know, there's the obvious answer, which um, would be David Attenborough. Big Dave, yeah. <laughs> Big Dave. Um, I, I'm I'll loving Blue more... Planet. Have you? Are you watching Blue Planet, yes. by the way? Oh, oh, so good. How can you not? It's just the best. Mm. Um, and we, we often talk about the Blue Planet effect as well, just the way that he can just get the whole... He just accesses other... The way, something about what he does and his lovableness um, just really just gets the entire nation behind him so you can't underestimate his kind of power uh, and the wonderful ways that he gets people on board on a more micro level I've got to kind of shout out some of these micro influences that I think I really just rate them for the fact that they're using their platform to engage um, you know social media generation in these kinds of conversations um, off the top of my head Michaela Loach yes. Denny Colleen mm-hmm. um Venetia Lamana oh, is really yeah, making yeah. me laugh recently. So we've just done a veganery, we've just done a veganery campaign where we've partnered with loads of food influencers uh, and making kind of skincare inspired food recipes and vice versa. But then she she she's been doing these hilarious videos where she makes food recipes, um, but she'll be saying like a sprinkling of child labour for a fast fashion brand, and it's just like you know witty and clever. And using content creation, which, you know, is, is the future on social platforms to actually make really good, valid points. Um, so props to props to those guys using their platforms um, to spread messages of positivity. I am so in awe of climate activists, especially the ones that Anna mentioned at the end there. Those using their social media influence and their platform for good. It is a full time job. It is really hard. And I don't know if you've heard, but not everyone on the Internet is nice to each other. I know. Demi Colleen. And Michaela Loach. Michaela Loach has actually been on this podcast before, so if you missed that episode, I'll link to it in the show notes. And Venetia Lamana has recently got in the press for boycotting a pretty little thing launch. You can find out more about the protest, drawing attention to the environmental damage of fast fashion and their treatment 
of their garment workers as well in the show notes wherever you are listening. Now, Anna mentioned the old plastic Tupperware. If you see me eating my salad for lunch on a park bench out of a Dolmio jar, leave me be. I use jars quite a bit. I have found some aluminium ones from Buy Me Once. I'll link to those in the show notes. Let me know your faves on the socials. Age of Plastic podcast on Instagram is mainly where we have our chit chat after the podcast episodes. If you want to get in touch and tell me something you're struggling with, I will try and help in our eco life hack. Details to get in touch wherever you're listening right now. Now, you may remember a few episodes back, Judy got in touch. And one of the things she mentioned was the single use plastic in COVID tests. Well, Stop Press, your eco life hack is I have found somewhere that will recycle those tests. Here in the UK, we call them lateral flow tests. And there is a company who are after your used lateral flow tests. Salon Sustainability on Instagram are asking for your LFT tests, which would normally just be binned, to be sent to them. What they're doing with them is melting them down and then turning them into plastic boards that can be used to make chairs and furniture, things like that. As you may have spotted, Salon is hair salon in Salon Sustainability. So they're working on designs for different hairdresser tools that they used lateral flow tests will be turned into as well. Now I did say to Salon Sustainability, surely you want negative tests. But actually they don't mind if it's positive because the tests are stored for a week before they process them. More details in the show notes if you are having to do lots of testing wherever you are right now. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Thanks so much for listening. Coming up next time, wouldn't it be lovely if we had a showcase for the innovation in plastic alternatives? I don't know, maybe some awards? Well, I'll be chatting to the engineer and founder behind beyondplastic.net next time on the Age of Plastic podcast. Until then, wash your hands, wash your recycling. Because no one likes stinky bin juice. And keep safe, I'll see you next time on the Age of Plastic podcast.